This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. just want to welcome everyone that's tuned in to Radio K Pulpit. You're with Alana Willie for you. And my program is called Body Matters. And today I'm going to be chatting about an interesting topic. And maybe I should ask you the question today. What is the biggest spiritual battle do you think that we are fighting today? And especially as Christians. So my opinion, and I want to share what I think the biggest battle is. And that is not what most people would say is it between good and evil. And the reason I say it is that even non-Christians can do good things. And as Christians, we sometimes fall short of God's glory. And we, you know, we all fell somewhat at the time in our lives. So maybe the battle is not just good and evil. But to me, the battle lies between a lie and the truth. And I want to touch a little bit on that topic today. So as I said, I believe the battle is between a truth and a lie. And whatever we choose at the end of the day will determine the outcome of our eternal destination. And I want to read in John fourteen six that says, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus says, I am the way the truth and the life. And if I look at that, I just see the synonym between Jesus and the truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the life. He calls himself the truth and he calls himself life. And if we go in and we read a little bit in John 10, 10, it says the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy but I came so that you may have life and life in abundance. So that is just to verify again that Jesus calls himself the truth. He calls himself life and life in abundance. And the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. You see, the devil is called the father of lies. His identity And function is rooted in his name. And let's just read in John 8, 44, that says, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar And the father of all lies. And if we look at this, we see God, he calls himself the truth, Jesus, the truth. Then we see the enemy, which is the devil, is known as the father of lies. So our battle is not just against good and evil, but it's against the truth and the lie. And you know what's so interesting? It says, and the Lord gave us the Holy Spirit, his spirit. And the spirit is called the spirit of truth. 
and he's there. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all truth. You know, when Jesus left, he said, I'll send you an helper. And that helper is the spirit, the Holy Spirit. But the spirit's function is also in its identity. And that is the spirit of truth. You know that the enemy wants to come and deceive us. And there's such a big spiritual battle between the truth and that is God. He says the truth will set you free versus the deception and the lies of the enemy. You know, even depression, fear, anxiety and sin is all manifested in a deeply rooted lie. You know, the enemy wants to keep us from everything that God has from us. And, you know, when I look at Romans 1, and I want you to go and read Romans 1, and it talks a lot about um, sexual sin and, you know, how men gave themselves over to men and women to women. And not just that, it goes into so much more detail. But the verse in, in number 25, verse 25, it says, they exchanged God's truth for a lie. So to me, sin is also rooted in a lie. It's manifested in a lie. So what is the enemy's plan? You know, from the day we were born, the enemy has been out to destroy us. You see, as humans, we already we're already a threat to the enemy from the day we were conceived because we are God's creation. Satan knows the calling gift authority and the potential we have in Christ. He knows if we give our lives to the Lord, we have authority over him. We have got a mandate and that is God's mandate. And I just want to quickly touch on 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5, which says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against the flesh. For our weapons of warfare is not cardinal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what am I saying I'm saying that our battle is a spiritual battle. And as it's stipulated in 2 Corinthians 10. So what is the enemy's plan then? You see, the first thing that the enemy will try and do is to keep us from getting saved. Because with the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit inside of us, we cannot be deceived because he is the truth. And you know what? Deception keeps us powerless against the enemy. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And once we give our lives to Jesus, we have the truth inside of us. You see, in Christ, we are more powerful than the enemy. And we have authority over the principalities of evil. You see, many people are saved. And it's one thing to get saved but there's another thing to grow in in the truth. The more we know the word of God, the more we know the truth, the more we spend time in God's presence, the more we will know God's heart. But you see, so many people get saved, but they don't know how to operate in their authority because they are ignorant of the benefits that come with being a Christian. You know, as a Christian, we have benefits. We have authority. 
You see, if we don't read the manual, which is the Bible, which is the constitution of heaven on earth, which is also known as a kingdom constitution, we don't have the knowledge. We don't know what our identities are. We don't know what authority we have. We don't know the truth. Even though we've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, the more we know the truth, the more authority we have. It says knowledge equals power. And it says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. So I also reject you as priests because you ignore the law of God. I also will ignore you as children. So that is just saying that, you know, the enemy is there to lie, to kill, to steal and to destroy. But with Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. And the the truth, as I said, would set us free. So let's just take a short music break and then we continue at touching on what are the lies of the enemy that keeps us from entering God's presence and knowing his truth. Welcome back to Radio K Pulpit. If you just tuned in now, you're with Alana Willie Fear and my program is called Body Matters. And today I'm chatting about the topic, what is our biggest spiritual warfare? What are we fighting against? And what is the battle? And I said, I don't think it's just between good and evil, but I believe it's between the truth and the lies of the enemy. And God says, I am the truth, the way and the life. So the enemy wants to destroy us. He doesn't want us to know the truth because when we know the truth, we have authority over the enemy. We know when we know the truth, we know our identity in Christ. We know our rights. We know the authority. We know what God stands for and we cannot be shaken. But the enemy has got his agenda and the more he can um, plant thoughts and lies into our thoughts, he can keep us captive. So the enemy may have planted thoughts in your mind and my mind and many times we're all tempted with the same things but one of the big things that the enemy will always say and that is that you are not good enough not good enough for God and in order for you to be accepted by God you need to do what is good and sometimes our own sins keep us from entering God's presence, you know, because we feel ashamed, you know, when you and I sin, even as Christians, when we sin and we know it's wrong, we feel guilty and we're embarrassed. And just like Adam and Eve, you want to hide. I know it's so difficult to pick up your Bible and to pray when you know you've just messed up now. You know, you just did, you just did the opposite of what you should have done. And each one of us, you know, we we fail. We all, it says none of us are perfect. We all fall short of God's glory. But just remember, even as Christians, I know, I don't know about you, but when I when I mess up, I don't wanna I don't wanna pray. It'll take me a couple of days before I'd say, Okay, Lord, you know, I've messed up and to get back into his presence. So the enemy will always condemn us. That's one of the things he does. You know, we may even feel 
you know, we don't want to spend time with God. Maybe God's going to judge us. Maybe he's going to punish us if we, um, you know, come to him and tell him what is wrong. And secondly, you know, the enemy wants to keep us ignorant of our royal identity. And you know what? God is our king. When we give our lives to him, we submit our authority him, our authority to him and we surrender. You know, we enter into the kingdom, God's kingdom. And in God's kingdom, he is the king and we are his children. We become the children of the living God. And we have that identity as royalty. You see, our identity is rooted in who we belong to, which gives us a sense of belonging and acceptance. And it also establishes a self-worth within us. You know, the attack from the enemy is normally to establish a root of rejection in our lives that causes us to feel separated from people, separated from God, and orphan spirits. How many people do you and I not know who struggle with rejection? They feel like they just don't fit in. They just feel like they're never good enough for God. You know, the enemy wants to redirect us from God, from our identity. But when we give our lives to him, We are his children. We're the children of the living God. And that is what he created us to be. You see, the Lord made us to fellowship with him. We were created with purpose. And because of him, we are highly favored. And in 1 Peter 2, 9 to 10, it says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You know, once we are saved, the enemy will do everything possible to prevent us from maturing and growing and walking in our God-given purpose and calling because the mandate of all Christians is to destroy the kingdom of darkness to reclaim the authority we lost in the Garden of Eden and to bring God's rule and reign on earth. And that is kingdom, that is God's kingdom, is reclaiming back the land um, from the enemy that the enemy took. So, you know, first, if we, if the enemy will prevent us from getting saved, but when we do get saved, you'd rather keep us in the dark As I said, you will keep us in the dark so that we will not spend time with God. You will distract us. We will not spend time in the word. Because the less you know about the word of God, the less time you spend, the less you know. You can't take up your authority. You can be lied to because you don't know the truth. And the enemy will always so doubt. That's another thing he does um, so that he can recreate division between us and Father God, doubt that we are not good or worthy enough to receive the Father's love. You see, the enemy will entice us with, as I said, with feelings of guilt, fear, shame, and that is all to produce a sense of worthlessness within us. He wants us to feel so worthless and so messed up that we would think that God would never approve of us, never want us, never use us, or even love us. 
You know, he will do anything to keep us from having an intimate relationship with God or cause us even to have a false perception of the nature of Christ. Do you know how many people, even Christians, have got such a warped perception of God? They know he's good, but they don't really believe he's good. You know, they they have got a... Yeah, they don't always believe that God loves them unconditionally. You know, the truth is that we can't earn God's love or favor. His love is unconditional. And the biggest lie most Christians believe, as I said, is that God is not really good. And he only loves us conditionally. This lie has caused many of us to see God in the wrong light. You see, some people even say when they get sick that God is punishing them because they did something wrong. And I just want to clarify, and I know I've said this many times, but I listened to a sermon um, of um, Bill Johnson, and he says, I just want to say two things. God is good. The enemy is evil. The devil is evil. And the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from God. Do you know that sickness and disease and all of that is not from God? God isn't here to punish us on earth. He's not here. He wants you to have joy and peace um, in the spirit. He doesn't want to punish you. He doesn't want to hurt you. God is good. He wants to give us everything that is good. And sometimes we make wrong choices. But I'll get to that later on. Because God said he never came to judge the world, but to save the world. So no matter how much we as Christians mess up, God's plan for us is salvation, to save us. It says a, man, a righteous man will fall many times, but the Lord will uplift him with his righteous right hand. To God will help us. He will help us to walk the road. But he came to save the world. You know, judgment is still going to come. We're not getting punished or um, beaten up for anything that we did wrong now on this earth God's punishments and judgment is still to come. So while we have breath in us, while we are alive, we're under God's grace. No matter how many times we fell, we've got God's grace to get up and draw near to him no matter what. You know, I spoke to a lady once and, um, you know, I'd say to her, Do you know what, why don't you commit your life to the Lord? And she said to me, you know what, Alana, if you knew all the things, the bad things I did in my life, God would never want me. You know, how could God want me if I did X, Y, and Z? And so why even try to ask God? Why, why should I ask him? I know he's going to reject me. And I just looked at her and I said, you know, that is the biggest lie of the enemy. You know, she had judged herself already. We judge ourselves and we think we're not good enough. We're not good enough for God. So why even try and commit your life to the Lord? And that is the biggest mistake that any one of us, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, can do. While you've got breath in you, there's life. There's always hope. There's 
chance of the chance of the chance of the chance until you blow out your last breath, you still have a choice and that is to choose Jesus. And you know, sometimes the enemy will also use people around us, you know, to hurt us. And most of our hurts, our insecurities come from childhood. Many of us have things stored in our subconscious that we have not dealt with or may not even be aware of the things that could cause trauma in our lives. You know, negative words spoken in our lives, curses and things done to us by others, you can still affect us negatively in our childhood. So sometimes the enemy will use people to break you down, to make you feel unworthy, You know, the enemy is so sly, he will use anything to keep you feeling worthless. And you know what? Jesus paid, not prayed, paid the price for you and for me. You know, the enemy will come and, you know, when when we've got a lie, when we believe a lie, that we are not worthy, um, because that is a lie, You know, the enemy will come and he will reaffirm a lie in our lives to keep us there, that we will eventually believe a lie of the truth. You know, when a lie becomes part of our belief system, it is called a stronghold. And strongholds affect the way we perceive ourselves and the world around us. You know, we are so, we are in such a, if we think about the world in general, You know, we are in a fallen world. You know, sometimes it's so hard to even look out of our own lenses because sometimes our thinking is so caught up with the ways of the world that we cannot distinguish sometimes between a lie and the truth. But God is the truth. And the more you spend time in his word, the more you will know the truth. And the more the truth will set you free. You know, sometimes when you're hurt or abused, you know, you build a sense of identity around your experience, which may manifest in many behavioral issues like addictions, sexual sin, fear, and there's so much more. You know, we will eventually act or filter our whole thoughts through our distorted paradigm and these behavioral patterns enslave us and it bounds us to the kingdom of darkness and even as Christians there are many areas in our lives that we can be enslaved to the enemy but God came his purpose is to set us free you know the enemy will always continue to tempt us sometimes in the areas that he knows we are weak Often sin is established due to a a lack in our lives that creates a void and and the enemy will try and fill that void with earthly pleasures. You know, sometimes, and I'm talking about this void, you know, sometimes we lack things in our lives. Even sometimes, you know, when you're in a marriage and you might lack maybe love and affection or words of affirmation, or whatever it is, and then the enemy will bring someone around that will just give you that word, oh, you're so beautiful, oh, you're so talented, and that's the hook, you know, he tempts you, It's and temptation is like putting out bait, hoping 
that you will take it in a moment of weakness. So evaluate yourself. You know, sometimes that thing that you are lacking, that you're craving, that you're not getting, whether it's attention, whether it's love, whether it's whatever. And the enemy knows he's not, he's not um, stupid. He knows he will, you will bring people across. It will try and fill that little gap of yours. And before you know it, it's hook, line and sinker. Beware that the enemy will always come. The enemy will always lure us into situations or sin. Sometimes that we are trying to overcome. You know, or things that we have we gotten out of. Sometimes you might have had an alcohol addiction and you've just given and you've just overcome that. And you know what? The enemy will come and he will tempt you in those areas to keep you in bondage. All sin when we fall and fall will keep us in bondage. The enemy will have a legal right in your life and my life. And you know what? It all comes through lies through lies, through deception. You know, the enemy will always find an open door of sin in your life and my life to gain legal access to our souls. You know that God is our advocate. He is our advocate. He intercedes for us as Christians. And you know, if the enemy finds any fault with us, he will go and he will say, Jesus, this this is what your child is doing. Look, look here, look there. And any sin can give the enemy legal right because Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And in Revelation 12, 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven. Now have come salvation and strength and the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down, who accused them before God day and night. So Jesus is our advocate. The devil is our accuser. And he can find anything on us, any door that we open to sin. And he will go before God and say, look there, look what she's doing. Look there, look there. So we have got to be so careful of what we do, what we say, that we don't stand and give the devil any foothold. You see, the devil's continually pointing out our faults to God. As I said, Jesus is our advocate. And thank goodness, or thank God, that when we give our lives to him, we are his. And in 1 John two eleven, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate who does plead our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Isn't that amazing that we have got Jesus as our advocate? You see, the enemy wants us physically and spiritually dead. And without God's spirit in our lives, we are spiritually dead. It is the Spirit of God in, that gives us life, eternal life, because God is Spirit. You know, His Spirit cannot die. So when we've got His Spirit in us, we cannot die because our Spirit becomes one with His Spirit. Without God's Spirit, we are powerless against the enemy and bound to the kingdom of darkness without hope of eternal life. 
you know that the spirit of death is operating in and on this earth today. And because of the fall, we are all exposed to it. The evidence of spiritual death is sickness, disease, aging, physical and mental deterioration. You know, we're all doomed to die. All of us. But it's not about this death. It's about where we go for eternity. And it says in Corinthians 15, verse 55 to 58, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we may experience death in this life, but our reward is eternal with Father God because the Spirit of God is inside of us and it never dies. So let's look at the truth. I know I've touched on the enemy. I've touched on the lies, the things that the enemy will tell us to keep us in bondage. But what is the truth? The truth is that God is a gracious God. And it says in John three seventeen, for God did not send his son into the world that he may judge the world. And I said that early on, but that the world might be saved. So don't think God is going to punish you. God is saying, come to me, come to me. It doesn't matter what you've done. While you've got breath in you, while you're alive, you've got grace. Come to me. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save. You know, being alive is a gift. It's an opportunity. Every day when you wake up, you've got an opportunity to give your life to the God, to make right, to learn more about him, to spend more time with him. But the minute you die, you fall under God's judgment. There will be a time that we'll all be judged, but it's not here. Yeah, you've got time to make right, to sort out. You see, we're all sinners. None of us are perfect or innocent before the Lord. It's just his perfect spirit in us that makes us perfect. And in Mark ten eighteen it says, And Jesus said unto him, No one is good but one, that is God. You see, none of us deserve the Lord's grace or mercy. It's only because he decided to pay the price for our sins that we are exempt of the punishment that was due to us. Because in Romans three twenty-three to 26, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, the Lord does not love us for what we do, but for who we are in him. Isn't that beautiful? We don't have to work in order to, to gain his acceptance. When his spirit abides in us, it's his spirit that will do the good work in us. And as Christians, nothing can separate us from him. In Romans 8, 3 verse 8, it says that I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, neither the powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing 
in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, nothing you and I have done in the past, no matter how bad, or will do in the future, is a surprise to God, or will ever cause God to love us less. You know that God is called the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He sees you for who you are now, and He sees you for what He's, he's seen everything. He knows the outcome of your situation. You see, nothing is a surprise. God loves you. Nothing can separate His love from you. Think about it for a minute. Think about that. Nothing can separate you from God's love. You know that God's arms are wide open. He gives us an ongoing invitation to enter his presence, irrespective of our sins or our guilt. He says, come. And I want to just confirm that. God says, I didn't come for those who are healthy. I came for those who are sick. And when I, when you interpret that, it means I didn't come for those who are already you know, goody good. I've come for those who are struggling, who are battling. He's come for you. He's come for you because you are sinful, because you are guilty, because you um, um, have a shame nature. He came for you because of that. So don't run away from God because you've sinned. He's come especially because you are a sinner. Does that make sense? God says, come, I won't disappoint you. In Hebrews 4, 16, the Lord says, come boldly before the throne of grace so that you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is God saying? Don't worry about your sin. No matter how badly you have messed up, come to me, obtain mercy, find grace, and I will help you. You see, mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown to someone who deserves to be punished. But he never came to punish you. His invitation is to come boldly with all your issues, with all your sins, He's just saying, come, come, doesn't matter what, come. I just want, I just feel I need to say this to someone today. No matter how hard it is to face God, if you have backslidden, maybe you've messed up, maybe you have feel so bad. Even while you are sinning, I want to tell you, call out to him. Even while you're sinning, even while you're struggling to give it up or to let go, it doesn't matter. Just call on his name. It says, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on him. Tell him, Father, I'm sinning right now and I don't know how to get out of it. Help me. Help me. No matter how many times you fail, call out to him. God is there for you. Just come and see it's God who will do the good work in us.
when we commit ourselves to Him. You know, in our own strength and human capacity, we cannot overcome our sinful ways. We can't. It's only through Jesus that we are overcomers. You know, even as Christians, we tend to shy away, and I said that many times. But I want to read Romans 8.1 that says, and especially those of you who are Christians, and maybe today you need to hear this. There is for now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what? Sometimes we are harder on ourselves than what Jesus is hard on us. Romans 1.17 says, So in Christ our sins are forgiven, and there is no condemnation before God. So is the sinner who is in Christ. Okay, so is the sinner who is in Christ. I want, I want that to sink in. I want to read that again. So in Christ our sins are forgiven and there is no condemnation before God. So is the sinner who is in Christ. So what he's saying, even though you've given your life to the Lord, you're a sinner. So there is no condemnation. Not only that, but God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So we need to understand that as Christians, that Jesus has already paid the price for our sins. It it doesn't mean that we won't sin again. Sometimes we do sin. Even as Christians, we fall short, we mess up. But we do have continuous forgiveness from the Lord. Our responsibility is to walk in repentance, to repent when we sin. And as Christians, we have access to forgiveness of our sins all the time. You see, when we repent, the Lord says that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and then remember it no longer. Isn't that so beautiful where God says, I will forgive you of your sins and I will remember it no longer. So why do you and I still hang on to our sins after we've repented? Why do we still linger in condemnation? Why do we hold on to the guilt? And that's the guilt that keeps us back from pushing forward, from experiencing God's joy, His love, and all of that. And and I just want to touch on the, this topic that I'm talking about now. Now, if I think about um, Corinthians 13, where it talks about love, it says love um, holds no record of wrong. And here God is love. He holds no record of wrong because he loves us. Who wants to be reminded of your sin all the time? God says if you repent, truly repent, he forgives you of your sin. And he takes it away as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no longer. So maybe someone today needs to hear this. You need to let it go. If you've repented, let go. The longer you hold on to it, you give the enemy a foothold. 
to keep you from God's presence, to keep you from joy, to keep you from God's peace. Let it go. Let it go. You know, even if we fall into the same sin over and over, just keep on repenting. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you to overcome that sin and to move forward in Christ Jesus. In Psalm 37, 24, it says, and I've said this earlier on, Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. You see, the Lord is ready to help us out. He is our ultimate father. You know, as parents, if our children disappoint us or if they fall into sin, you know what? You just don't write them off. You just don't choose not to love them anymore. Well, I hope not. You continue to love them as parents. And as parents will do anything in your power to get them back, to get them on the right track. How much more does our Father in Heaven not care about us? If God is a perfect God and we, even as parents, are failures in our own, in our own right, how much more does God not care about our children or care about us, even if we fail? And the Lord says that every morning His mercy is fresh upon us. Yesterday's sins are forgotten and He sees every day as new. Isn't that beautiful? Think about it. You can't do anything about yesterday. Nothing. Today when you wake up, it's a new day. You can choose how you want to spend the day. Holding on to guilt, holding on to the past, holding on to the what ifs. No, you can choose today with Christ that today is going to be a new day. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Every morning, his compassion on us is new. New, fresh. It's a new start. Every day you wake up, it's a new start. You choose. You see, God is good. He doesn't hold grudges against us. He does this so that we will not walk in condemnation and guilt. You know, if you think about everyone in the Bible, all the heroes, the leaders, Moses, Abraham, Jacob, they've all, even Samson, failed God. But God still used them mightily. God used them mightily. Keep running towards him and not away from him. He is greater than your sins. It's never too late. You are not judged. You are your only judge. God hasn't judged you. So don't judge yourself. You see in Psalm 34, 22, it says, The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. And I think another version says, No one who takes refuge in him will will be disappointed. 
let go of the guilt and know he's merciful and that his arms are always wide open to receive me and you. I know that was long, but let us take a short music break and then we'll end. If you've just tuned into Radio K Pulpit, you're with Alain at Willie Fee. And I've just been chatting about the spiritual battle um, that we face every day. And I, as I said right at the beginning, it's not just about good and evil, but it's about the lies of the enemy versus the truth. You know that the enemy is called the father of lies. And Jesus says, I am the truth, the way and the life. So Jesus calls himself the truth. And the enemy is called a liar and the father of lies. And even saying that we've got the help of the Holy Spirit and it's called the spirit of truth. And the function of the spirit, Holy Spirit, is to guide us into all truth. So every single day we are faced with choices regarding good and evil between the truth and a lie and the choices we make will bear either good or bad consequences and in Deuteronomy 30 19 it says I have set before you life and death blessings and curses now choose life Jesus says I am the truth the way and the life so choose life so that you and your children may live. The choices we make today will not only impact us, but our generations to come. So maybe you are a Christian. Maybe you've backslidden from God. Or you've never accepted Jesus in your life. But today I want to encourage you to turn to Him. Whatever it may be that is keeping you from turning back to God, or entering into his presence. Just remember it's a lie and the trap from the enemy to keep you from all that God has for you. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that today you will choose life, which is the truth. So Father God, I pray for every single listener that can hear my voice. I thank you for their lives. You know everything that is happening, Father, in their lives today. You know the situations that they find themselves in. Maybe they've backslidden from you, God. Maybe they've been lied to. Maybe they have thoughts that says they're not good enough, that they've failed, that they're sinners. Father, today I pray that you will reveal yourself to them today because you said you came to save the sinner. That's your heart. Father, today I pray that they will call out to you, that they will draw near to you because your word says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Lord, the word saved means to protect it from harm, that you want to protect them from harm, to rescue them from the hands of the enemy, to set them free, Father, from every stronghold, bondage, anything that's keeping them 
connected to the kingdom of darkness today, Father. I pray that you will sever and break those ties and connections and that your Holy Spirit, the truth, will set each and every person free. Father, I come against guilt, shame. Father, those feelings of worthlessness. Father, I pray that you will reveal yourself to every person, Daddy. That you'll show them how valuable they are to you. So, Father, thank you for their lives. And if anyone today wants to recommit their lives to the Lord, just pray after me. Father God, forgive me of my sins. I admit that I am a sinner. Today I choose to turn to you, to surrender, Father, my life in your hands. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. Help me and thank you, Father, that I now belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed that prayer and you've recommitted your life to the Lord, just continue spending time in God's presence. Whether it's just in praise and worship, reading the word, just connecting, going to a word-based church. Just, Just stay connected to him. Tell someone about it. And you know what? God says that even in heaven, even if one person comes to him, there's a celebration. So just remember that God loves you. His arms are open for you continuously. Just turn to him. So I hope my message has encouraged you today that you can distinguish that God is a good God, that he wants to guide you in all truth. And I'm going to chat to you again next Saturday at the same time from me alone at Willie Fear. Have a beautiful week. Goodbye. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.